1: Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Uh, This is the second of the summer specials. Um, Last week I spoke to Rich Grove about history, um, which I'm not billing it very well here, but it was good. It's very interesting. Go back, check it out. You can listen to it on Acast or iTunes. Uh, This week I'm going to be speaking to folk musician Tom Mitchell. Um, I first became aware of Tom through Twitter, just from chatting to him about Spurs, saw that he was a musician, um, and yeah, his, his, his tunes pretty good. Check him out. Um, most recently, he's played at the Spurs Show Live, uh, where he, you know, just chilled out backstage with Ledley King, which is all right, isn't it? So I talked to him about that a bit. Um, so without further ado, have a listen.
2: My my, my family's from from North London originally. My great grandfather actually played for Barnet, Mr. Harry Mitchell. Um, what position did he play? He was goalkeeper. Oh yeah. He also played for a team south of the river at that time, uh, who unfortunately migrated north sometime in oh. the 20th century. How, uh, how, how come that didn't follow well, no, through then? I guess you're going to get to that. Yeah. I'm jumping in now ahead of the. Yeah, he um he he must have seen the light and just uh just knew that they were going to come up and um. Shit all over yeah. North London. So, uh, so yeah. So, so Barnett was his team. Barnett is uh, the only one he really refers to in his memoirs. Um, and uh, and yeah. So uh, so yeah. My my dad grew up there. Uh, you yeah, know, we moved. He, he actually moved to to Gloucestershire um, shortly before I was born. But I kind of had the North London Tottenham heritage. Surrounding me, and um, I never really knew anything else. I mean, my first memory of a game would be uh, probably the 87 cup final when I was five, um, and, uh, and you know I really started getting into it as a yeah you know, joined junior Spurs in 1989, 1990, I think, and uh, uh, just just gone from there. know, yeah, can't can't imagine life without my Spurs. What do you think? I because
1: I guess. I guess you probably just missed out on the, the glory era of the eighties. Um comparatively speaking to probably the most of your lifetime up until very recently. How do you think it sort of stacks up at the moment to to everything else you've seen?
2: Yeah, I mean for me, I mean, obviously what you get exposed to as a as a youngster for the first time, or especially what I kind of felt with, with, with football was um yeah, you'll you'll never feel those feelings again yeah. of watching, you know, Gaza, Lineker, they were, they, and, and Gary Mabbott were my little holy trinity, um, and you know, so I just, you know, and the Holston logo and everything like that is is Tottenham to me, but Tottenham to me now is still Tottenham, but it's a very different beast who I still love just as much as I as, as I did before. But it does, it feels different, but it also feels. It feels strange going into games feeling like we're gonna win. Whereas it really wasn't that long ago. You know, most of my teens and twenties were spent um, you know, hoping we were gonna beat Sheffield Wednesday at home or, you know, get maybe get one of our two away wins a season or something yeah. like that. So um maybe beat Arsenal. Maybe beat Arsenal, maybe raise our game for one of the big big boys, um, you know, and then milk it for weeks and weeks afterwards. Whereas, you know, this season, beating beating Arsenal, beating Man United in the last two home games of the season, neither of them felt like major events other than the final. The fact they were the final games we played against them at White Hart Lane. I mean, if we'd have beat Arsenal two nil um, at home a few years ago, we would have been. I hate to say it, but the DVD would have been out straight away. Yeah. yeah. And um, and and this game, yeah, you know, it almost felt a bit strange afterwards. It was. I felt. I felt. I felt more of a. Of a kind of Tottenham feeling after the two all last season, with the get, yeah the Kane goal was one of the best moments I've ever felt at White Hart Lane. One of my greatest goals in living memory. One sure. of the, yeah, it was, and then like yeah, ending up however many rows in front of yeah you know, in the shelf after that yeah. went in, it was just one of the best moments that I'll always take away from that place. Um, whereas this game, yeah, I was I was I was there for this one, um, and and it was great, and it felt felt fabulous, but it didn't have that that kind of sense of real. Tottenham about it. It was just a comfortable win, and, and it was very professional. Wasn't it, it was. It was professional. It felt more like, you know, what what I'd imagine it's been like to support Chelsea under under Mourinho, but without such a a wanker in charge. Yeah. Uh, and 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 the fact is, we've got likable players. We've got a likable manager. We've got yeah. We've got a great fan base. And um and I and I'm yeah. You know, even though it might sound like I was just being a bit negative about it. I don't mean to. I just I love it at the moment. I think it's fabulous. And and the feeling around the club is great yeah there's always going to be the people complaining about what we don't spend or what we um you know obviously the tact yeah you know, the armchair managers and everything but um but i, I think okay. <laughs> but i think that right now it's 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 the best it's been since i've probably supported spurs and and you know my early memories of, of, of what kind of really got me into the of where i really started feeling emotional connection to the club i think they really were formed through the fact that it was my first ever exposure mm. as a youngster um, and we've got it so much better now. It's quite interesting, isn't it, in a way, because I can...
1: There's a part of me that thinks about growing up watching some pretty abject teams on balance and thinking about, like you're saying, those moments you would jot out in your calendar if you're thinking about, can we beat Arsenal, maybe beat Man United or... Can we get in away win somewhere? And it, it, it tends to be that when I think back to it, that you'd almost think back then when you're supporting a team that's perhaps more in a lower mid-table kind of stratosphere that we probably were back then, that then it would be all about the team and it would be all about kind of rallying behind that. But if I'm brutally honest, I kind of, when I think about it, it was, to me, it was, you know, I'm obviously a Spurs fan, but... You would obviously tend to rally behind the, the most positive aspects of the club. And one thing I think Spurs have always managed to do, where be it because we've had a bit of money or because we have still a bit of prestige from what we once were, we've always at least had a couple of really decent players. You know, if it's been Ginello, if it's been Burbatov or Sherinum or, you know, he who shall not be named. <laughs> We've always had a you know, at least a star player that you kind of feel could walk into any team in the league.
3: Yeah,
1: and perhaps a part of it is that like we rallied behind those individuals a bit more, whereas now we have so many great players, but it it seems to be that now you you rally behind the whole team, the whole club. Everything feels like it's more complete, and it's it, I, I don't know. It's, it's I. I
2: I'm not really making any clear point here. I never no, do. But. No, no, no. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, um, yeah, they obviously are. I mean, Berbatov's still my favourite player I ever, I've, I've ever seen at the lane. Interesting. I, guess, I think because yeah, and, and when, when he left, I was and the manner in which he left, I was gutted. But the, when he fancied it, like, he was super. He was, he else, was just he? brilliant. Is the, the Bolton game where Keane got sent off just the best non-goal scoring centre forward performance I've ever seen. But. Um, 2000-2001, when we signed Rebroth, we had a diabolical rest of the team really then. And and it turned out, he yeah, yeah, really. contributed to that. Yeah. Nicely. But, but because we because he was our record signing, because we've been crying out for a, a striker for, for for two or three years before that to to, to, to compliment uh, uh, Messrs. Armstrong and Everson, um when we signed him, we were obviously excited, we thought we'd got the the, the yeah, the media were telling us we'd got the better one of mm. of him and Shevchenko, and um, and for that whole season it, I was rooting for him so much, and I was behind him, and I was just there tr- wanting to worship him in the same way I'd worship Jener and um, you know and Gaza, but obviously it never really happened for him. But that is an example I think of a season where we didn't have a team to. No. To really get behind, we didn't have a manager to get behind, God knows, and um, but but we had a player who was our record signing. We really wanted it to work for him, and obviously it never did. But it's like the proto Soldado, wasn't it? Yeah, really? exactly. But there was one game which where he he really did turn it on, and that was the West Ham quarter final, um, which actually ended up being George Graham's last game in charge um, when he got his uh, that that great volley from um, yeah yeah yeah. I can't remember who to took the throw in. I think it was. Um, can't remember, but anyway, yeah. He and then he got another goal in, in the second half. And Gary Doherty scored one of the worst headers I've ever seen. <laughs> Just before we, do you remember that in Sunderland that season he scored two of the worst goals ever yeah. as well to win it? Didn't he, he,
1: I think he got. Did he get a hat trick?
2: No, he got two. Stephen, Clements, two. Stephen okay. Clements got the other yeah. one. But um, but yeah. So so, but but that's it. I mean, that season was there. We're you know cheering on one player and really hoping he was going to do it because our other signings that season were I think Ben Thatcher. who was. I said really, and um, and Neil Sullivan, who who I really I, I did I liked Sully. I, I liked Sully. And um, he had a few great games against Arsenal yeah. more often than not. But yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and then obviously Hoddle came in, and um, yeah, we really wanted that to work as well. And um, and you know, for a few months it looked like it would, and and, and then it didn't. But um, but yeah, you, throughout that whole period, it was always just individual players, and um, or, or, or in Hoddle's case, the manager, who we were really trying to get behind, yeah. and. Um, and, and now like you say, we've got we've got a team of, of, of players who are just so they seem so down to earth, they seem to all get on, you know, whether we're being naive to think that and we're just mm. looking at them thinking, oh great bunch of lads. You know, no, they're doing easy. it for the love. Obviously they yeah, they're not but we like to think that six or one half dozen. Exactly. Matter. That's what you gotta try and tell yourself Exactly. A bit, right? Exactly. But yeah, so you yeah, you end up having your kind of your support and love for the club almost diluted more across it now through the through the people you see on that mm. pitch rather than just going along to watch Berber Top or Jimbo or, or whatever. It is, it is strange isn't it
1: because football is changing. It's, I think a, a lot of the, the ire will get directed at the club but football as a sport is changing. So these kind of commercial decisions that the club will make like the cheese room and all this kind of thing in the stadium, as much as it can be galling, it's I don't. It, 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 again, it's it, it's a mixed bag, right? Some of it is Spurs making a conscious decision to do this, but it's also you know we're keeping up. We don't, as it stands, have the type of disposable income, shall we say, um, of clubs like City, of clubs like um, Chelsea as well. Um, and I guess we are probably very much following that model that Man United has set out, where they. Created uh, there for all the money they're spending now, and I know they have untold amounts of commercial partnerships. They kind of is self-made, really, isn't it? They they build themselves into that position to to do what they're doing now, and I think that's why people don't really give them as much stick as perhaps they have done to City and Chelsea, PSG. Yeah. I mean,
2: we yeah we used to hate Man United they were successful, whereas now. We've seen, like, say, Chelsea, City, etc. They they're, they're coming from nowhere, uh, spending money which uh, which they haven't built themselves, and and you know, and if it takes, if, if it means us selling cheese and building the longest bar in Europe, which I'm quite excited about, to be honest. A cheese room, yeah, uh, it is quite weird. Isn't it, it is, A it cheese is, room. but if we, but you know, and, and if we're getting into bed with the NFL and everything, if we're making our own money doing that, in order to continue. Competing at this level, then that's fine with me. You know, we, you've got to, you, you can't just stay in a romantic era of, no. of, of just thinking that we can do everything on the on on the pitch and just and that's that. How
1: how did you feel at the end of last season, sort of saying goodbye to White Hat Lane? Did you go to the last you know, the United game or was the Arsenal game your?
2: The Arsenal game was my final one. The same here, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. the same. So I it was, yeah. So um, so it felt it felt really strange walking out for the last yeah. time, um but i got a ticket i had a physical ticket for the game which is which i was really chuffed with because uh, a friend of mine you know i didn't get tickets through loyalty points so um but a friend of mine hector i um managed to um uh, he yeah you know, he, he has some kind of involvement with AIA and uh, we managed to get some um, some tickets with um with yeah with with kind of quite quite a commercial block but but who cared you know it was um, we got to watch this, the last ever North london derby and it was up in the shelves so um yeah, it was uh, it, it felt very very strange going in and even stranger going out. But um but you know what a game to to finish with and um you know the Man United game I wasn't in the in the stadium but I was I was there um at N seventeen and the atmosphere was just incredible. Um you know and um pretty emotional, it was good. I, I was I was actually
1: I was working, I was in France at the time for the Man United game. Um I managed to sort of like get back. The, my hotel with the crappy Wi-Fi and watched the stream of the farewell, and I, I still had tears on my face and everything. I know it's a bit, it's a bit pathetic to say, but there was it was it, it was nicely done, wasn't it? But it, it
2: was, and I think Theo yeah, Delaney deserves a, a lot of credit for for that because he, um, yeah, I know how much work he put into it, and um, and yeah, I mean, I watched it from from the Antwerp um, performing um, performing a few Chas and Dave songs for the you know for, for the for the crowd who came out of the lane that that day and um, yeah, they obviously had it up on the big screen there and um and I was playing 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 songs while this while stuff was you know our players were coming out and I was just you know like I say I I felt my face get a bit wet I'm not gonna lie and mm. um and uh especially seeing a few of the players who weren't ever like big big names but I'll always have a big soft spot for Alan Nielsen Mm-hmm. Um, and Simon him. Davies, Simon uh,
1: Davies, yeah. A lot of people scoffed when he came out, but you know he was one of
2: the best players of that era. He was. He, really, yeah. We when we signed him in Etherington at the same time yeah. from Peter. Championship you know. manager what oh, those two, absolutely. mate. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, it was it was it was a really good ceremony. I mean, it, it could have gone, it it could, it could have been really cheesy. It could have been, it could have been anything, but I think it was perfect. And um, yeah, and, and and well done for organising the rainbow at the end as well, because that was what 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 tipped it off which was
1: pretty spectacular that All right? Yeah. It made some good photos yeah i uh, i noticed you out uh, it was it was very good you doing doing my job well for me there. on the the segue into into the music because that is one of the main reasons today so,
2: in your role as a as a musician um what are you take us through so yeah no i've, I've um I've played guitar since i was um since i was uh, ten or eleven um mm. Thirty-five now, so yeah, can't work out what that is, but yeah, quite a long time. Um, and uh, and yeah, no, I mean, when when I was at school, I um, yeah, I, I kind of just, I've always loved music. But I've always loved really, kind of old man music. My dad was always playing Pink Floyd, Rolling Stones, Dire Straits, um, and uh, and the Kinks and and whatnot. So um, so now I, I grew up listening to really good guitarists. Um, Is he a musician? As well? No, he's not. He likes to think he, he he can play "Free Falling" by Tom Petty. The only okay. three chords, um, I can't even do that right. But um, but yeah, he he loves his music, and he he's very much responsible for getting me into just listening to to good bands and good musicians from a young age. And um, uh, yeah, and I just, just school bands until you know all, all the way through till sixth form, and uh, went to uni. Kind of didn't do as much music at uni, but then picked up again in. Um, in the uh, mid two thousands, where I was um, playing with uh, with Duffy for a while, which was um, probably the the pinnacle, um, and it, and it has always been. Um, How was that? It was it was it was an experience. Um, you know, she's um, yeah, she's she's obviously she kind of emerged at the same time as as our as our darling Adele, um, mm-hmm. and they and they were kind of neck and neck for a little while, but obviously Adele has gone on to. Much bigger things, and um, and Duffy's uh, yeah, hasn't. Were you doing that in a live
1: capacity or session? Or uh, yeah, a bit both. Yeah, yeah. and um,
2: yeah, spent a lot of time in Putney where she was based for um, for most of two thousand six, two thousand seven, kind of time, um, and uh yeah, yeah, it was it, it was really good, and that was back when I was very much playing guitar for other people. I wasn't anything more than a backing singer, um, and I and I just considered myself as someone who just go and play other people's songs for them. Um and that's all I really felt like I needed to do at the time. And then um I needed the sex appeal on stage anyway. Is that what it was? <laughs> that's yeah. exactly it. I just uh, get the punters through the door. Exactly, I had to do it. So um, you know, so but yeah, I mean after after she um yeah, after after that kind of finished, um I ended up playing with uh yeah, with with numerous other you know singers, John Madden, uh, Julie Davies, the Cadbury sisters um, all of which were really good experiences. And then, and then after, after that, about four, four years ago, um, I just, no, five years ago now, I guess I just decided to, um, start writing and, um, and recording my own stuff. I bought, you know, got a Mac with Logic and, mm-hmm. um, and just literally just started recording some songs, you know, some, some songs in my, um, in, in my lounge, uh, wrote, writing a few songs you know I'd always kind of written with other people but I'd never kind of written anything myself but a few a few songs started coming to me and then it just became a bit like a uh, an avalanche of um of, of, of ideas really and uh yeah really really shit ideas at the beginning when I go back listening to it they were, t- you know the early stuff which I felt was kind of like at the time was oh, I am do something good here and I listen back to it that's um but but I think over the last five years I've kind of Got better at it, and um, and and you know, probably the last two or three records I've released, I'm really proud of, um, all of which, as I say, I just record at home, uh, have the odd session musician involved, but otherwise, I just um, just do, just do it myself, and uh, and and it's it, it's good fun. I mean, there's there's a lot of capacity for people to make music and record music themselves now. Yeah, you know, you've got the internet, which enables you to just ping your stuff out there to the world. Uh, which is something ten, fifteen years ago, maybe a bit longer, but you just couldn't have imagined mm. doing. You know, you had to send tapes off to, God knows how many A and R and yeah, this, exactly. Yeah. And then just hope that someone might hear it. Whereas now, you know, you can if you do something good, it can be picked up on and 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 shared a few times on social media. And before you know it, you've got um one of my songs a few years ago, the first one which really did anything um so called ruthless thing. Um, I just one you had a video for. When it was I think you were down near like
1: around where the Clifton suspension oh, That, that one was
2: um locked down in five. That was that did quite well as well. Because I think that's when you first came onto my radar. I think uh, that's yeah. when I, I first
0: Yeah
1: kind of think, noticed. Yeah. Just, yeah, I'm not, not brown
2: It's good job. Thank you, yeah. No, that that was probably from the from the, the record where I first started feeling quite proud of what I was doing. But but this, this song Rufus Sing was from the album before and it, um and one day I just logged on SoundCloud and it said Sixty thousand plays yesterday, and you just think what um,
3: I don't, you know, it'd Yeah, it'd been getting about
2: ten plays a day before that, and uh, and I was kind of like looking at every single stat I could to see if make sure it wasn't my mum yeah. um hit refresh yeah yeah exactly and um and I looked on the, and it just it just gone nuts and um a good proportion of them had come from South Korea and, um, yeah, because apparently folk, you know, because I play kind of quite folky stuff and yeah. um, uh, folk music is really big over in um, in the Far East, I discovered at that point um, and, um, That's interesting. Yeah, it's something, you know, it just, I, I had no idea and, um, but, but that came, came out of the blue. Um, have you Have you ever got out there, played out there? No, I haven't, I'm waiting to be invited <laughs> and um, anyone listening
1: uh, who's, South Korean based music promoter. Yeah, there we go. Um, but so, in terms of that journey, so you, you're 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 putting stuff out there, and I think it is an interesting point that, that you raise again there in terms of the fact that anyone can do it now. Anyone can have their voice heard, and I've I've heard kind of people describe this point in a lot of the creative industries as this is a bit of a, a double edged sword because. Yeah, you know, if if anyone can put stuff out there, it means the competition is so much more fierce. But I would say I I I really disagree with that in in the respect that so many of these industries have not been talent based before, right? Um, I mean, everyone has to have talent to get somewhere if they if they're in any creative. It doesn't matter who they know that those old sort of midage midages, but you have to have talent to get anywhere in a creative industry generally, unless you're Brooklyn Beckham releasing photography albums, but now it, it, everything it feels a bit more egalitarian. Should we say, I guess the yeah. fact that yeah, okay, it might be harder to have
2: your voice distinguished from the crowd, but at least people can hear your voice. You've got the opportunity, and and um, and it's funny because I, I mentioned earlier about my um, my old manager using me to Dire Straits, and uh, so Mark Mart Knopfler was actually the reason he was. The guy who made me pick up a guitar for the first time. Um and you know, I still still buy all his all his songs and um and, and go and see him whenever I can. But his um his brother David, who was in the original line of Dire Straits, I was really disappointed about about a year ago when he um he was running a crowdfunding campaign um for his new record, because he's he's carried on making um making music, um, obviously in the shadow, the particularly large shadow of his of his brother. <laughs> um and it's yeah. He does okay in very small circles, but um, he's, yeah, he was crowdfunding um, for his, um, his his last record, and and in the video that he did to accompany it, I kind of lost quite a lot of respect for him because he immediately said, "There's, you know, it's too easy for people to to make music now. It's too too easy for rubbish to flood the charts and to flood the internet, and um, you know, and and that's why I'm asking for for support in making a really good record, um, you know, that's and, and it it just kind of suddenly. I lost a lot of respect for him right there. Just thinking, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I lost a lot of respect for him right there. Just thinking, you know, you're kind of criticizing this this amazing medium that we now have to to allow anybody to get their music heard. And the cream will rise to the top. People who are rubbish won't get shared. They won't get, yeah, they won't they won't get anywhere. I mean, I mean, they can they can get their songs heard. They can do do whatever, but you know, the good stuff will rise to the top not-so-good stuff, fine, but at least they've kind of done it and, and they've got the opportunity to put stuff out there. That's it, isn't everyone deserves, it? Everyone deserves the right to,
1: to be able to, to have their, their stuff heard. You know, if, if, if people have that spark of creativity, it's not about, you know, well, you, you don't meet these prerequisite, like, vague ideals of what, it sh- you know, what you should adhere to in order to have your stuff heard. It's like, you know, like you say, it's, it's the ultimate kind of, power of the consumer now that they can choose what they want to listen to and what they don't want to listen
2: yeah. to exactly exactly and that's and and that's a really good thing um and you know and, and obviously you know there is so much stuff out there and and often you will have to put money behind your your, your social mm-hmm. media um your, your promotion in order to make sure it does kind of reach as many ears as possible if that's if that's what you're looking to do but there is still that opportunity that you could just push something you know record a song and put it out there and it could just bang, you know, and, and that's that's something which hasn't existed before, in in, 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 in yeah for an amateur or, or bedroom musician, and um, and you know we do we do hear about these people who like release a song on YouTube and uh, and end up getting signed up now, which um, yeah, which which is just a, a, the whole industry has been being being reinvented really, and uh, I also think that like maybe it's something
1: I tell myself <laughs> to to not break down and cry every single day. But I think that it's it's still, still a lot of this stuff is like, you know, just because you haven't made it per se, it doesn't mean that you're not good at what you do. There is still an element of luxury. I mean, I, I, I recall like an old, an old, old interview with Quentin Tarantino when he was talking about, like, people were asking him, have you got any advice for anyone? His whole thing was like, you know, everyone working hard, but I can't sugarcoat it, there's a enormous element of luck to to getting anywhere in life as to where I am now I know that for me there's probably 10,000 if not more other guys that could be exactly where I am now I just got the lucky breaks at the right time and that's it isn't it a lot of it's about timing it's about the mood it's about everything just it, it, it's that perfect storm isn't it for yeah. your your whatever it is your passion your art to be received at that time and exactly it, it,
2: it explodes exactly it's, it's got to be received at the time by the at the right time by the right person who's in the right mood who's in the who's got who's got the right circumstances themselves to to to, to move it on to that next level and um you know so so like you say the chances of of, of it happening are, are slim and it could happen to you know there's so much luck involved but you've always kind of you know but even if you don't want to achieve that you can at least kind of Record stuff and get it out to your mates and get yeah. it out to your it you know, to any followers you may accrue on, on the way. And um, and 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 it's yeah, you know, it, it's a great hobby to have. I mean, yeah, you know, I love just kind of picking up my guitar, recording something, and um, and, and sharing it. And uh, it happens quite a lot when um, you know, yeah, you know, I've got two young children, and it's harder to kind of get out of them. Um, you have know, to get out and play and play in the big venues and 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 uh, and pubs so much anymore. But at the same time, I can now kind of have a few whiskeys on a Friday night and um, the infamous whiskey, session? the whiskey sessions. Yeah. And, uh, and just kind of like put a, put a few requests, yeah. Put a call for requests out and, uh, and make a, make a haphazard attempt at whatever anyone suggests. No song is too shit. I think Under Pressure was, was it, you did Under Pressure, didn't you, through one of the whiskey sessions? I might have had quite a lot of whiskey because so I don't remember that one. Um, I've done a few, I've done a few Barry ones yeah, yeah a Man Who Sold the World um, Life on Mars might be Life on Mars I'm
1: thinking of yeah that yeah. one's
2: a, a, a favourite
1: yeah it was strong
2: strong 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 addition to the whiskey I, Sessions I, I, nev- I never look at him in the next morning like, no? Oh, no no I can't I just uh, I think Kiefer Sutherland is one of those guys who's never watched an episode of 24 and uh, I he think says that. he says that but sits at home watching it watching, watching it in slow motion yeah
1: exactly like, that's yeah.
2: it Shoveling his face with popcorn <laughs> and... <laughs> exactly but, uh, but yeah, but no, it's, 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 it's fantastic now that you can just be sat in your house and, and, and do something that, that anyone else in across the outside world can see instantly.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?
1: Had the Tottenham part, had the music part.
2: How did the two come together? Um. So well, I've always I've always loved Chaz and Dave, which which uh, which helps a lot when you're a musician and a and a Spurs fan, um, and yeah, I mean I mean I think I've always just you know played played Chaz and Dave songs pretty you know in a pretty informal setting, normally just in a you know. I've never really done one as part of one of my sets, you know. I think I've done um I think I did Rabbit once at a wedding just uh, oh, yeah. as a special request, which was quite hard by myself. But, I was gonna say. Um, and um yeah and then and then I think about uh, God, when was it? Three three, four years ago, I think, um I chatted to Windy. Um That's the infamous Windy Coys. Windy Coys for Come on You Spurs. And um yeah and and I think I recorded a version yeah we just got chats about music I think he'd come across some of my stuff and um was kind enough to say some nice things about it and um and we got chatting about maybe doing a version of can't smile without you to raise money for um for Calm on the on the fighting cop so um so I recorded a version of uh of can't smile without you which uh which you know was was good fun it's the first time I'd kind of um first time I've ever recorded Barry Manilow so I'll give it that much but um um yeah, and 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 then after that, I think um, I was chatting to, uh gosh, who was it, Cat, Cat and Martin from the um, from the Trust a fair bit, and um, and spoke to them about possibly playing a uh, playing a set at the um, the, the Trust barbecue at the Antwerp the year before year before last, which uh, which was attended by Lele King. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been to the Antwerp since it reopened. I like casually just starting. yeah, you know, I just just was I was on the bill with. Ledley King. with the letters and Paul Coyte of course, yeah, um, Coyte. but um, but yeah I mean I mean yeah having gone to the Antwerp a few times before that since it reopened and and it's it's just the best pub in in Tottenham it uh, really is isn't it it really is it's so great no no shade at the other pubs in Tottenham no no no, no well, absolutely but
1: absolutely Antwerp is something so special isn't it, it?
2: it really is it, if you know, you walk in there and you just feel like you're at home and um, yeah, so so I I ended up doing a, a set of songs at the uh, at the trust event. I think it was meant to be two sets for about forty five minutes. It ended up being about four sets of an hour. Um, it just went on and on, and beers were flowing. And it was right after we just lost to Newcastle five one, and it was which was just a horrible end to the season. And, and but but that night that well that day and night at the Antwerp, I found kind of sorted my summer out. It kind of sent me Spurs wise going into the summer in a in a much better frame of mind than I than I had been after the Newcastle game. And um and it was just really good. And then shortly after that, um spoke to uh Mike Lee at the at the Spurs show about playing at the um at the Spurs show Christmas do uh, again with Ledley, um which was which was just so good. Just
1: yeah,
2: what, what 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 was he like I I mean
1: did you get much chance to chat to him when you were uh, across the the two events now.
2: Yeah, I mean, you yeah, worked with him on. Yeah, I mean, the the first event. I mean, he was it, it was a very kind of busy. I mean, I think you were there. It was a yeah. very busy, bustling space, and uh, and it was obviously full of full of. Uh, I've never seen so many grinning men in one place. Just as he was just walking around, and um, and, and and it was a, yeah, he was he had his uh, his, his chat with him, and it was, um, yeah, you could speak to him, and you'd have a photo taken him, but there wasn't too much else you could really do whereas um at the at the Spurs show do we um yeah I played it with Chris Thomas Chris Chris T bassist on Twitter and uh and yeah we 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 kind of um had a little backstage uh backstage room where um where Ledley was as well and um that and we, must have been so surreal I was just sat there in a tiny room with um with Ledley King and I just had to keep looking at him thinking you're you're Ledley King you are yeah. you're Ledley King and and after but after a while after about five minutes of, of that you know the starstruck kind of, the starstruck the starstruckness dies down and um and, and 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 we just ended up just being able to chat for 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 yeah you know, for a reasonably long time about about quite yeah you know, stuff which went from initially very spursy to kind of then going quite mundane and just chatting to him like a mate he was just such a nice nice genuine bloke and and Rich Grove who you've who you've had on recently was um I think his uh, his cousin is quite was was quite poorly at the time and um and he asked if there's any chance of getting a quick video message from him from, from ledley and um yeah, i'm sure ledley gets asked to do this kind of thing all the time but he just no questions asked just like recorded a lovely message for for rich's cousin on um on my phone and um and just had a you know just just a really genuine nice bloke
1: he is i mean the the circumstances under which i met him aren't quite as uh Off of my own merit as yours are, but uh, Charlotte surprised me once. The, the um, Tottenham Tribute Trust they did a charity auction for a chance to basically sit in a box and watch the Leon Europa League Leon game of perhaps four or five years ago
2: now. Two bail free kicks,
1: yeah, yeah, two bail free kicks. Um, a Wonder
2: goal by then, yeah, they?
1: amazing. Um. But yeah to watch to watch the game in a box with ledley um there's about four or five of us in there, and I was sat with him and i was i was, I was completely fanboying <laughs> the whole way, but he like you say what- what does i think two things I took from it are that you know what we was sat in this box like it's twenty six minutes on the thing, and you can hear the stadium all singing his name, and he seems like quite embarrassed by it, you know he is type of guy that he was just so down to earth that he's like, you know, one of the other guys is like, How's how is that, mate? Like that
2: must be bizarre. And he's just like, Well But you know if he played on his if, if he was fit enough to play in his last game, he'd have done a twenty six minute send off, wouldn't he? He'd have walked off. He'd have got the other club to clap him off and, yeah. and everything like that. he's that type of like, He's
1: Yeah, um, and he's a a gent. Well, that's it. and the other thing I, I, I really found is that it, we are in this age where people are so sceptical of players and do they care about the club don't they is it just a job to them but you know he, he didn't grow up a Spurs fan he apparently I think it's in his autobiography he grew up a Liverpool fan mm. uh, played in Millwall's youth um, and obviously through Senrab he then went to Millwall I believe for a short time and then came over to Spurs um, or at least went to a few Millwall games when he was a, when he was a kid um, you, you really get the f- the feeling that he, he he does love the club. He has a real, genuine and strong affection for for the club.
2: Um, at least that's that's what I I totally took that as well. Really did. I mean, um, you know, you you don't stay as a as a club. I mean, I'm sure you, I'm sure they pay him reasonably well for it, but you don't kind of stay connected to a club um, if you don't if you don't care about them in that way. And he he represents them everywhere. Um. But yeah, I mean, just a real gent. He must be gutted. So, to see the sort of team we've got
1: now and just think, I was born just just a couple of years later. Exactly. But even now though, if it wasn't for his injury problems, you could see him slotting in in Carling Cup games. Definitely. Not Carling, what is it now?
2: P C. No. I don't think it's been Carling
1: Cup for years, has it? No, it's still
2: the Wilmington Cup. To
1: me. Yeah. Or Coca-Cola Coca-Cola Cup, Cup sorry. Rumbellows. Yeah. <laughs> So right, okay, so you 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 you've played the Spurs show. You you played the the Antwerp thing. In terms of like, because I just want to go back to that one though, the Antwerp game. Because you're saying it's after the after the Newcastle game. How did you kind of? How did you get the the, the crowd going? Did you just go back on Spurs classics of that one? Did you play sort of any a, a, any old covers? Did you play
2: your own stuff? Um, that that was that must have been a pretty like. That's like playing it awake. Right? It was it. I've got to admit after. Yeah, the, the week or so after the Newcastle game, I was thinking, this is going to be shit. It's going to be so depressing, and um, it was. It yeah, it, it was quite hard. But I'd, I'd, I'd say actually, I'd walk, I walked. I walked in there. I bumped into you mm-hmm. as, as, as I walked in actually, and, and there was immediately like a bit of a bit of positivity. I think, and I think we'd all kind of, you know, hopefully after the, the disappointment of that Newcastle game, I think we were able to reflect on what had been a pretty, you know, a pretty immense season, and. Um, uh yeah, I think I think I did a bit of um I think I did Can't Smile Without You quite early on. Get that whistle going and um and then yeah, I mean I mean it's just nice to mix that kind of stuff up with a few a few crowd pleasing covers. Please me anyway. I <laughs> don't know if anyone else if they did anyone else, but, but yeah, it was just it was a really good day. It was really busy and then um, you know yeah, you, you get all the Chas and Dave stuff going as well and some of them work better than others on just an acoustic guitar, but um but you know when everyone's had a few you know, you don't you don't want to be the only one singing Spurs or on their way to Wembley into a microphone with no one else singing along. Um, and luckily that never turned out to be the case. I had, had Bruce Lee in particular belting it along with me in the uh, in the far corner. Get a few chances to sing Spurs on the way to Wembley this year, mate. Uh, one or two. One or two for sure.
1: Do you think you'd ever write uh, an original Spurs theme song? Have you ever toyed with the idea? You
2: know what? I I have. I'm not going to lie. Um... It's because, you know, the, the Chaz and Dave stuff, It's it, it was great. I mean, they, they were really good, well-written musical songs. They weren't just novelty Spurs songs. I mean, they, they kind of are, but, but they're, they're still really well-crafted. And you don't get any good football songs out anymore. Um And you'd kind of think that there's a, like we were saying earlier, like the, the prevalence of, of the internet and the ability for anyone to kind of make themselves heard might have meant, yeah, I mean, there are some awful. Kind of YouTube videos of fan songs right. floating around. Hello, <laughs> um, <laughs> again, <laughs> mate. That's that's a big indirect, mate. <laughs> <it like that? laughs> no, yours is yours, yours is always good, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but you know what? What's the rhapsody one top? Uh, oh,
3: nice.
2: uh, oh yeah, it's Rhapsody. team, Rhapsody, team Was it? That was beautiful. That was. But it was all Billy T's work, To be honest, um. But yeah, I mean, um. I, I I think I'd need to put a, a, a day a day or two aside and really kind of just sit down and try and work work out how to do it because you know they need it. There's there's something when you listen to those songs, you know, they sound really straightforward, they sound really simple, just two or three chords or whatever, but they are memorable. Yeah. and they were turned into chants, and they they weren't just turned. You know, we don't just remember them because of the chants. We remember them because they're they're well written, well crafted mm-hmm. songs, and um, yeah, it doesn't matter if they're just about football players, and. Um, yeah, that's a big benchmark to 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 kind of go up against when it comes to kind of like writing a new a new football song. But because um, it's,
1: it's what this it's the the boxes they ticked, isn't it, Chaz and Dave? Like you say, it's kind of like they've got that kind of fun pub type vibe about the any old iron sort of old East London type knees up mother brown sort of vibe, but. You can't like it's. it's not to discredit in any way their musical attitudes because they're they are brilliant musicians, aren't they and they i i I've actually randomly I've, I've seen them play at best of all before yeah. fantastic like, they just consummate professionals yeah. and they're such showmen as well like they're so good, so talented um and you know like we talked about earlier that perfect storm that's kind of what they they inhabited, wasn't it? I guess maybe when they released those like the cup final songs things were a bit less cynical then. Also, but also, Spurs were in cup finals.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah too you shame. You know, it's shame. like, who knows how? Yeah, whether whether they would have. I mean, they, they were obviously successful in their own yeah. right, but um, but who knows if they'd have been as um, popular amongst Spurs fans? Do you think there is a a room
1: for because given it your sort of music is very like but more downbeat than Chaz and Davey type? You can say depressing? No,
2: no, no I, I wouldn't that. say
1: depressing. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> yeah. Um, but do you think there is that, that room to sort of do something maybe maybe a bit different that you know, like something that you can slap on
2: when we have lost our opening game to Newcastle away? You well know? maybe. I mean, um again, can't smell without you isn't the most true beat song in the world. And I think um after we after we lost to to Chelsea in the semi, I just um went went home and, and, and recorded a booze fueled version of that for Instagram, which um which w- which kind of yeah, I was feeling, yeah, we were all feeling pretty deflated after that. And, um, and, and yeah, that was, that was one which captured the mood. Um, couldn't really have done Although, oh God, who was it? I, I, I'm really sorry whoever asked me this, because I can't remember who it was, but someone asked me to do a version of um, uh, Can't Smile Without You, the music for Can't Smile Without You, with the, with the words of um, Ozzy's Dream. And, Interesting. Yeah, it was, and it
1: kind of worked. What's the, what's the future? Musically, you're gonna you're gonna do any more of these Spursy themed thing, things. You're gonna focus on your own stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean a bit a bit of both. Really. I mean, I mean, you know, since since kid number one came along, um, on the day we lost to Chelsea four nil under Sherwood, um, it's all gone a bit quieter on the music front, really. Although kid number two was born the day we beat West Brom five nil this season. We even got a tweet from Spurs official, so uh, it, it was it, that was obviously the highlight of my day. My day, um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, so yeah, since since, since those two um, have, have arrived, you know, music's a bit a bit more. Uh, it's, it's all about fitting it in. Uh, you know, I've obviously got a got a, a full time job now to um, pay for my uh, baby's foods and nappies. And life takes over, mate. That's it really amazing. does. It really does. But you know, I mean. I consider myself a musician first and foremost. You know, I i'm yeah, you know, I, I I have to sit behind a desk nine to five for work, but I'd much rather be um, sat behind a desk with a big mixing console on it than a than a, than a PC and um and load of spreadsheets. And uh, and you know, I just love performing live. And and yeah, I, I I as as a songwriter, you know, I get so much pleasure, or at least so much kind of gratitude out of playing. And, and nerves out of kind of bearing my soul, bearing my own songs to to, to to the world, whether it's online or in um in a pub or a or a music venue. But at the same time I love the last few yeah last couple of years doing these doing these Spurs days, just getting everyone singing along um yeah you know, with my mates basically. It's been um it, it's it's great. So I'd I'd love to Yeah, you know, I want to carry on doing that, but you know, hopefully September, October kind of time I'll be um locking myself away, recording um probably a new four or five track EP. Um and uh um once again, yeah, I mean I'll put it out there, what will be will be. So
1: where can we everything you've recorded to this date, where can we track it down, where can anybody who's listening
2: listen to to, to what you've produced so far? Um website is mitchellmusic.co.uk Um Twitter is uh, The Real Tom Mitch, there's a few links on there as well. And if you really want to hear some drunk, terrible covers uh, look at the hashtag whiskey sessions, spelt the Irish way with an E um in whiskey that is, and uh and, and you'll find some um some videos on Instagram there as well. I can vouch they're not terrible. He's <laughs> he being
1: modest. They're good. It's a good it's a, it's a nice addition to uh to a to Friday dash weekend night when they when they do crop up mate.
2: Oh let's see what we can do. Get another one on the go soon.
1: And there you have it. That was Mr. Tom Mitchell. Lovely bloke. Um, really nice guy. And he's very kindly agreed to let us play out the show with his cover of Can't Smile Without You. Um, as he does touch on during the recording, this was recorded, uh, to help support the work that Calm are doing. Uh, that's a campaign against living miserably. Um, which is, you know, basically assists to the awareness and help helping to treat people with mental health issues in the UK. Um so you can find out more about them and donate to them at the calmzone.net. Um please do that and here you go here's Tom's cover of Can't Smile without You to see off the show.